this is Toasty. Han and I are the facilitators slash running sure. this podcast. Um, as a disclaimer, this is recorded, and um, that's... We hope not, we're not going to take anything you say out of context, because the podcast is not split up, so I hope like nobody's intimidated by a microphone. Um, it's not done. <laughs> and... So for those of you who don't know, Toasty is a project Han and I are doing for open research right now. Um, we just feel like there needs to be a space on campus where people feel like they can be honest and talk about various things and find people they have like-mindedness with um, for potential connections and relationships and... Yeah, so that's what we do. It's every week um, from 7.30 to 8.30, and we just discuss different topics. So this week's topic is... Um, <laughs> uh, by Yalitza. This amazing girl over here, sitting over there in a polka dot dress. Uh, <laughs> and the subject is uh, race and representation in the media. Um, so yeah, I think we're at starting. Would we all like to introduce ourselves since we don't know each other? Hi, my name is Yalitza Jean Charles. I'm in illustration, class of 2016. I'm president of Black Artists and Designers, vice president of Rizzy Feminist, and also running the NAACP group on campus. <laughs> oh, it's me. Um, I'm Olivia Stevens. I'm a sophomore in illustration, and I'm vice president of Black Artists and Designers. And then, yeah, that's it. I'm Josh. I'm a junior in GD. Um, what are you doing, junior? Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I'm Hayon. I'm a junior in graphic design. I'm Iron. I'm a senior in graphic design. I'm Jenny. I'm a senior in GD. I'm Riwaj. I'm from Brown. I'm studying biology. I'm Sukeshi, and I'm a senior in GD. I'm Brielle, and I'm a junior senior in GD. I'm Tierra, and I'm a senior in animation. I'm Delaney, and I'm a junior in GD. I'm Celine, and I'm a sophomore in FAV going to live action. Oops. Cool. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so do I, do I begin? Would you yeah. like to introduce the subject? Okay, so as you've already heard, we're talking about race and representation in the media, and the talk is titled... We have a black we have a black president though. Um, I thought that was a good title to basically represent where race kind of is right now in our society because people often reflect back on what racism used to be and they go, but it's not like that anymore. So it's over, right? Because we have all these other advancements that we've made in terms of like civil rights, but it, there's still some residue left in my opinion. So um, I'll just read the short little snippet of what the talk is about. Let's talk about race and dear white people. Is post-racism a real thing? Who actually plays the race card? How much do we know about affirmative action? And without being perceived as overtly aggressive, how do we have these conversations? These will be a conversation that hopes that hopes to peel back the layers of confusion around racial issues, as well as dig deeper into an understanding just how prevalent racial issues still are in America and the broader world. Rad. Rad. Red Dan. <laughs> How many people have seen Dear White People in here? Wait, what? Dear White People, the movie. <coughs> Four of Four us. Four people, okay. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about is microaggressions, because I feel like that was the goal of Dear White People. Um, and to, like, make it known that that's a thing? Not, that, not to necessarily make it known, but, like, address it and be like, this is what it looks like. So mm-hmm. what, yeah. yeah, what is... So what is a microaggression? So, like, <laughs> passive-aggressiveness? Um, not necessarily, but like racial. So I have a definition. Um, racial microaggressions are brief and commonplace, daily verbal, behavioral, or environmental indignities, whether intentional or unintentional, that communicate hostile, derogatory, or negative racial slights and insults towards people of color. And so, like, if anybody has an example of a racial like my sh- microaggression, just give one. I'll give like the first one. So a microaggression that could be made towards me is, "You're pretty for a black girl." What are you? They keep asking you. Like, they just, they can't tell. You're not white, but, like, I don't know. Like, what are you? Where are you from? Yeah, you know? where are you where really, are you really from? from? Oh, yeah. oh, I've been asked, like, 
Yeah. Oh, and they find out that I'm not white, and they're like, "Oh, what's your native name?" Like, that's not how it works. How do you say my <laughs> How do you say my name in your language? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But there's lots of different examples. Does anybody have anything else that they might have heard or like seen or maybe like have had said to them? One I've had was, oh, I didn't know black people could have long hair. Yeah. And it's like, what are these, what are you actually saying when you say this? Like, do I not fit into the box that you expected me to? So it's like, oh, you're not my idea of what this type of person should be. Or the one I get, you're so smart for a black person. That must be your white side. We said to you, like, legit. Yeah. Like, actually? I went to public school, man. Oh, public school. Seems like so much more than a microgram. We can't call it racism because then people are like, but they didn't lynch you and burn your body, so it's not (laughs) racism. Is it a microaggression because they treat it like it's a normal question to ask? Yeah. I don't don't know if that necessarily is what makes it a microaggression. Yeah, where's that line? Because that that seems pretty, like, Because I think the thing is, it's like people aren't inherently being racist. But it's like our society kind of feeds this idea that these are things that are okay to ask or say mm-hmm. or believe about people because nobody corrects it. So like you kind of have to tell people like you shouldn't be saying that's racist. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, not necessarily that that's racist because I feel like we've been saying that's racist yeah. so much, so it's taking power away from it. And then people put up a wall, and so then it's like, but I'm not racist. I don't hate people of color. This you just need to address what they said and be like, this is problematic or. Here's what wrong, what's wrong with what you said because I feel like once you throw out that's racist, you can't get through. Mm-hmm. I, like, I feel that's a good point because I know that when I walk around and if someone assumes that I'm from China, it's like or speak start speaking Chinese to me, I'll just like shut them off and walk away mm-hmm. instead of trying to like oh explain to them that okay there's you know or explain to them like, yeah. This is I'm not. This yeah. is what I am, and there's different people yeah. from all these different areas. Yeah, so <laughs> like it's, it's, yeah. it's so difficult because if you were to correct every single microaggression you experience, I'd be talking to people all day. I wouldn't get anything. <laughs> yeah, but then like you said, yeah, go ahead. But, but yeah, because that's a good point too. Because like you know, once they do that, I get scared too. You know, so I that's why I shut off and I was like, I'm gonna stay away from this. Mm. So like, how are we supposed to? Do you with like does thing. anyone? Yeah, how yeah. does any does anyone have an idea? A lot of it is like picking and choosing your battles. I, would like I think a lot of it comes from stereotypes in media, mm. and it just like, um, like I don't know, I don't know where the word thought went, but like there's stereotypes in media, and so that we only see one type specific of caricature of a person in your race, and so if you a lot of people don't fit in that box because it, there's no way to fit in that box. And so once you deviate from that, people are like, but you're not like how I think you're yeah. like that because you're not like all these other, you know, things in media. But like, like you were is, saying, this like, is what I think normal is. In terms of like addressing it or like doing something about it. I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, I just feel like a lot of people are innocent of these issues. And I feel like I myself was because I come from a very homogeneous, like Indian sort of background. And I'd never seen so much ethnic, racial any kind of diversity in my life until I actually came here. So I'd never encounter that kind of thing. And um, from my own personal experience, I would say like the first time I actually spoke, saw like a person who was actually black and like spoke to them or whatever, I just thought it was really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't really get like that. I couldn't really comprehend their aesthetics, like their sort of facial aesthetics mm-hmm. or any such thing. And I feel like a lot of people who get into this microaggression thing are, Usually they're just innocent. I feel like they just don't have that kind of exposure. It's like ignorance. Oh yeah, it, they're they're ignorant and and they're just not educated. That's like one of the important yeah. perspectives to have because it's like so often we'll get swept up in like reacting to it, but it's like you forget. Oh, they may not know. Yeah. They may not. This know. is because yeah. like if you if you're a part of the system, you're not taught to see the system. Yeah. So it's not inherently your fault. But there does come a point where it's like if I have access to this information mm-hmm. and everybody else has access to this information. What's really keeping you ignorant about mm-hmm. these issues and things like that? But then it's also, you brought up this interesting fact that you come from a different country and you're experiencing race in the context of American, like American society's representation of race. And that's often like black and white and like a lot of different issues. And so like you didn't get raced until you came here and people were like... Yeah, I, I, I literally did not understand the concept of race. 
and then i realized that there are actually two groups of people there's one group of people which are aware but they choose to pretend not to be and choose to be passive aggressive just because they feel powerful by doing that it's like that sense of power that i feel also comes from like bitchiness that happens like in high school or whatever and then there's this other group of people that are actually truly innocent and that's all they know and so they so they just say that to you because they they don't really know how yeah. to communicate that well and it's like their first encounter and then maybe after you correct them they become more aware yeah. and then their interaction might change so that's how you can address microaggressions like understanding that perspective that not everyone knows what you know so give them that like give them the benefit of the doubt it's always difficult cuz there's a point where it's time yeah because if you if it happens over and over and over again you're going to snap at some point it's not Oh, benefit of the doubt. Okay, give them the benefit of like. Give everyone. Like, I don't have any more doubt. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I read out. I wrote my last check. <laughs> no, I under, I understand that feel, and then I feel like that's where a lot of stereotypes of like angry black woman, angry black person. It's like, I'm not. I have a right to be angry. Like, do you understand? So yeah, there has to be an understanding of both perspectives. Like, you need to understand why I'm upset, and I also need to understand why you're not aware. So, for that dialogue to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts on microaggressions? Oh, I get nihao a lot, and oh my god, your eyes are so big for an Asian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't know you could open oh. your eyes that wide. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> it's like, and it, it sounds so innocent, but it's like, ah, you really got me, like, yeah. right on my chest. Like, okay. And like, I can definitely, I've looked back on times in my childhood. Like, I came from New York. I grew up in like a really diverse area, and like, I look back on my childhood, and I look back on middle school, I look back on high school. I was like. All those things I said were horrible, and I would never say that now. It's like a thing like with growing up and like being aware of these things. Like definitely looking back on my childhood, knowing what I said to people, I'm like, I wonder how that has affected them. Because I'm looking back on my childhood, and a lot of things that people said to me affected me. Like, oh, you're such an Oreo. You're like the whitest black person I know. <gasps> like, uh, are you telling me that because I speak properly and I'm educated, that that is not associated? Like, I can't be black. Like. I have to be white. Are you associating education with being white and being stupid with being black? Because that's extremely problematic, in its own way. But okay. To share the worst thing I've ever said, when I first moved to Dubai, I like met, I met South Africans for the first time, and they were they, they were white. <laughs> when you say South Africans, I'm like. Okay. And then he was like, "I'm like, but why aren't you black?" <laughs> But then we became like the best friends in the oh world. God, but that Karen, was like the worst thing. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a good line from that movie. But yeah, I think that white people does a does a great job of addressing those issues. Like, I think that's what the whole movie was about. I mean, like you said, it, it's a good segue into the movie because it definitely showed how angry and how much it's built up inside of these people. Yeah. Of the microaggressions and. Um, it's just like it gave the, just the beginning and the whole like first part and middle part was all very uncomfortable and how uncomfortable they were with yeah. all these microaggressions. These things going around. So for those who don't know, Dear White People is a film about racial tension on a predominantly white campus between black students and white students. And so what happens in the film is that all this tension comes to a climax <clears throat> at a party where this frat, this frat of like all like very privileged white students throws a black themed party and like white people show up in blackface, dressed up as gangsters, wearing fake dreadlocks and it's just like boom. Everything just like So yeah, they did there was a and then it also addressed the different issues within um the black community, but then there are also other students of different races like there was an Asian student and were there I don't know if there were Latino specific. But then probably also not. probably but they also address like um, being gay in the black community, and it's like they have a lot of different characters. I feel like we saw a lot of different perspectives, and like a, I saw a lot of me in that film. So I definitely recommend go seeing that film. It's funny. You'll laugh. Try to laugh. Like, it's it's funny. Definitely if you go with the right audience too. Yeah, I feel like we had an advantage in that our audience was literally all black people, and they were all black activists. And so like we all like connected with a lot of stuff, and we were laughing at the snapping and yes, it was great. There's because yeah. there was a lot of identifying with it. Um, so like since a lot of people haven't seen the movie, there's like one part that I kind of want to talk about, which is um. There was one point where there was a white guy that like stood up and was like, "One of the hardest things is being a educated white guy," 
in the workforce or whatever. <laughs> and that's something that my parents say mm-hmm. as Ooh. like, yeah. But we yeah. but we have to understand why do they say this and where are they coming from? Because <laughs> for people who have never like experienced like being around these different types of people and like they to them they see okay, affirmative action and yeah. why are they like putting all these people here who like don't even deserve to be here and it's like that's not what it is like it's kind of weird because I feel like okay you're acknowledging that these people are coming up and it kind of you I guess you feel like something's being taken from you but it's weird because then you feel like you're entitled to this thing that was never yours to begin with I just find it weird that they always protest affirmative action but don't got shit to say about legacy kids who come mm. in because their yeah. family went. Like, <laughs> but it's like, not about race. Like, <laughs> historically, disadvantaged people, no go. Historically, advantaged and privileged people, t- come on in. Like, That's I don't, such a good argument. Like, but I guess, like, it's also about, like, the idea of, like, fairness and what is equality. Like, do you think, like, okay, should we be forcing these people in and, like, giving them all these advantages, quote-unquote, um, or, like, should they earn it? Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. That kind of mentality. I feel like affirmative action isn't... I mean, a lot of people take it as, like, um, you know, like you said, like, you're you're being deprived of something that was yours. Like, it's... It, something you earned you're, you're losing to. something. But I, it's, it's... I don't know. I always felt like it was more about, like, everyone's kind of in a primordial soup pot of, like, thoughts and ideas, and it's better to have, like, a more diversified, just, like, pot of... <clears throat> thoughts and like experiences and opinions especially in like um you know an educational setting i mean like why would you yeah i don't Let know me... why why couldn't you not be like supportive i actually want to read the definition of affirmative action. yeah i was just gonna say that um an action or policy favoring those who tend to suffer from discrimination especially in relation to employment or education yeah why would you be against that I can. I also took an excerpt from this article that I was reading, um, addressing the continued need for affirmative action. Um, the continuing need for affirmative action is demonstrated by the following data. For example, the, Na- the National Asian and Pacific American Legal Consortium reports that although white men make up only eight, only forty eight percent of the college educated workforce, they hold over ninety percent of the top jobs in the news media, ninety six percent of CEO CEO positions. 86% of law firm partnerships, and 85% of tenured college faculty positions. There's something wrong there. <laughs> what percentage, what percent of the population is white men? <laughs> what percent? I don't know if they're like, are there more? I don't know. So that's just the... I feel like they perceive that there's more. Like, my grandparents are always like, oh, but the whole world is white, and there's just, like, an invasion. <laughs> <laughs> I, my, my grandparents are, like, the, the most ignorant people in the whole world. But that's not their but fault. I know it's not their fault, but yes. it's, it, like, hurts me every time I speak. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would think, if anything, the country's more, pe- the, the world is more people of color than it is. Yeah, and then it's also I find it so problematic because like there's all this aggression towards affirmative action, and then it's put back on the students of color, and it's like always assumed that oh you're here because of affirmative action. Like no bitch, I'm here because I have bomb ass grades, a bomb ass SAT score, and my portfolio was the shit. So you can take a seat and leave me alone. I don't understand. Like they just think we like photocopied a picture of our face and was like I'm black, let me in. Like like my application was a picture of my face. Did you guys actually feel that though? That you get that kind of stigma from? I don't know. I always had this this lingering feeling inside of me that they only got me in because I'm from the south and because I'm Hispanic. And like, have you seen how many Hispanic people there are here? There are none. I feel like there's less than African American students, which are are only four percent of the student bodies. Yeah, there are Hispanics are actually like even worse in like in cultural representation anywhere and but then it's also the type of hispanics that are in this school mm-hmm. they're usually they're like international kids though. yeah there's more uh mexican and spain um people here i would that's like from usa i might be the only one that's from from the well no i was i think I one of my biggest my problems. I, I was raised my miami am too yeah like one of my biggest problems with like our schools like RISD's diversity is that i feel like 
they rely so heavily on I'm international. international. And that's like, where they get the money from. That's where they get the money. Ah, and so then it always, it always comes back to money. And it's like, we yeah, presented to the money. school the statistics. Like, we have two full-time black faculty. We have 92 black students out of 2,200-something, something, yada, 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 students. And then it's like, we are doing, we have all these programs in place. We're doing this and this and this. And it's like, really? Well, then, why don't you have more students of color? And it's because they don't want to put the money in. Schools don't want to put the money in because they know oftentimes people of color come from disadvantaged situations where they cannot afford to come to school. So if you want the students, you can get them and you know exactly how you need to do it. Yeah, but I think it, like, it puts, the schools are in this interesting situation because, yeah, you want international students because international students can afford to pay like the entirety of our fees. But then, well, if you do get students of color and you want them to come here, then you have to you have to provide a lot of money so that they are in a lot of situations that provide them a lot of money so like Rizzi can become an affordable option and so in a way it was like you need international students yeah. who are going to like who are going to kind of help with those costs but then you also need that representation for a mm. diverse and yeah and then, like, student body. my thing is also that, like, I feel like if you're bringing in international students who, like, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be considered diverse be- in terms of, like, class. Because yeah. no. if these international <laughs> yeah. students are oh, coming yeah. from situations where they can pay, like, I'm not assuming, but they are more likely going to be from a different economic standing and different class. And so they're not going to have the same experience as people of lower class within those countries. And so, like, that's yeah. very true. Yes, yeah. Because most international students that do end up at at US colleges are all cream of the crop. Like, we're, they're not even middle class. We're, like, upper class from, like, wherever we come from, and we are the only people who can afford it. Like, even middle class people will not be able to afford a college like Lisby. Like, they would still choose to send their kids probably to Singapore or maybe to the UK because it's still cheaper for them to, like, fly back and forth, especially because it's, like, for a lot of people, mm. it's, like, halfway around the world. And yeah. paying for the flights, like, regularly, as well as for the education, it's very hard on the parents. Mm. Definitely. No, yeah, definitely. And and then for the, for the college, it's almost like this thing that they pay because they gain double out of the international kids. Because, first of all, they're, they're from a totally different country. So, they're bringing in, like, a different perspective. And then they can be like, oh, these people are international. And then they might be of color from a different country also. And then they are able to pay the entirety of the fees as well yeah. so then here the the college is literally saying they're like oh we can have people of color but they're still american like we're not really adding to like you know that kind of diversity but if we're bringing international kids yeah we're getting so much money out of them and they're still adding to the diversity in yeah. terms of like their thought process aesthetics mm-hmm. like where they come from how well traveled they might be or their point of view consi- considering that they've grown up in like a totally different cultural environment to, to make it a bit less rigid centric <laughs> And, like, I know, like, I have been living outside the States for, like, a good ten years, nine years now. So, like, I don't really understand, like, completely the whole, like, the sort of, like, emotional atmosphere of racism in America. Mm-hmm. So, it'd be, like, good if you guys could, like, explain that. Well, we're not yeah. experts, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people who experience it, like... Explain... I'm not sure. Detail what your question. What do you want to? Do you want to understand like, con- the context of racism yeah, in America? Yeah, exactly. Right now, it's because like the whole time we have a black president, though. But like, still, like, what? Because, okay, so if I'm, I'm gonna talk about that title. Well, because they, they, they want to know what his birth certificate was. Like, hold on. So the the title I chose that title to because <clears throat> it kind of represents where people think we are as opposed to where we actually are. Mm-hmm. People want to believe that we're post racial in this country, but I'm like, look at Ferguson. Look at black men getting killed on the streets still by police officers. Um, Children of color are still suffering from poor education and not having all these opportunities that they should have. So it's like, are we really as post-racial as you would like to believe? Just because people aren't getting lynched, closed down in the streets, or exclusively told they can't get a job that they're because they're black, which actually still happens in discreet ways in the new term of in the new type of racism. A lot of this is new. So like the new racism is more subtle. So. Whereas they wouldn't give me the job, like back in the day, they would just completely deny me the access of applying for a job, just being like, you can't work here because you're black. They see my application, they see my name, and they go, oh. Is that a real term? Yeah. 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 I feel no, like, like that's actually, actually, but I'm just referring yeah. to that. Also, that, that they yeah. might dock your pay, like, secretly. I had a I have a I had a graduate friend who told me she was offered in graphic design. She 
was offered a job and she thought that the pay was extremely low and so she told them no i want more money and then they said you know what never mind and then they went to somebody else and offered them more pay for the same job it's true mm-hmm. i feel like and she was a woman of color yeah yeah but like like just when you're talking about this title of like but we have a black president though i think that I mean, when you're thinking in relations of like just the history of america slavery and just discrimination for people of color in general there whenever there's a success or whenever there is like a step forward people want to like take that and like raise above their heads and say all right it's done it's over you got what you wanted we don't have to talk about this anymore there's like this unease about discussing race or mm. this unease about discussing discrimination discussing privilege we want to we want to say obama there's obama we don't have to talk about it anymore but it's you like guys no. have affirmative action affirmative action's privilege right we don't have to talk about that sort of stuff anymore and it's just that frustration like no these problems are still here and they're apparent and they still affect so many people that we can't just sweep it under the rug and say just because you're tired of talking about it doesn't mean that I'm not still living yeah. it. It's like they see that one person who won the who won the race but yet they don't see the other thousands of people back there still trying to run and still trying to catch up. Yeah. Like that's not how it works. I don't understand the Obama cuz it's like, yeah, he's president and he's gotten three times the amount of death threats than any president in history. Why do you think that is? Like Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like he's president but the Congress is blocking literally anything he enters into the into law. Like they will not let him pass anything. Yeah. And then I'm not going to try and be mean, but Republicans are, <laughs> you know what, fuck Republicans. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, <laughs> hello, recorder. You can swear. <laughs> I'm just saying they're purposely manipulating Obama so then they can be like, they don't want another black president. They want him to be the example of how black presidents have failed. See, he didn't get anything done. We made sure of that. So let's just get over this. You had your black president. Your era is over. Like, that's what's going on. And people are like, well, we had one. And he didn't do a good job. So we're going to assume that any black person will not do a good job as president. But like, nobody does a good job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, I'm like, but that's subtle racism. That's subtle racism, though, you know? The, and yeah, mainstream media has been like, really reluctant to talk about the fact that, like, a lot of the issues around his presidency have been, like, about race, have been about, like, him as a black man and people being upset about that, about, like, taking taking the power from, like, lots of, like, a long string of old white men. And, like, no one's willing to, like, say that out loud, like, on the television, but, like, you see it there. Because who does the yeah. media, who yeah. is the media for? Who no, do they exactly. cater to? You know what I'm Yeah, I definitely feel like, at least, like, where I'm from, like, it's probably gotten more aggressive, but still in a subtle way. Yeah. So, like, I grew up in, like, an all-white neighborhood, so it was, like, one of maybe, like, two black families there. Um, and, like, I just remember, like, there just being instances where, like, you know, I can't go to certain places because it's just not safe for me to be there. Mm. Our brothers certainly can go pretty much anywhere. Um, and, like, there are, like, little things, and these are things that, like, happened recently, but we have, like, you know, sometimes the fire department, like, the fire truck and, like, Santa Claus would be on the truck and, like, just riding around through the neighborhoods. Well, like, our Santa had, like, the Confederate flag. And, like, me and my brother just sitting on the porch just, like, watching him roll by. And they, like, slow down when they get to our house. And they're like, oh, hey, like, why don't you come up here? And she's like, no, I'll, I'll go inside. Like, <laughs> And it's just, like, I, it would be, like, so ideal if, like, we didn't have these issues. But, like, there are just some things that since people don't experience them, they don't realize it's an actual thing. So when you're trying to tell them about these things, it's just like, well, you know, like, that doesn't happen that often. But it's just like, no, like, you know. It does. I'm 21. Yeah. This can happen in every yeah. year. So, so just, yeah. that's don't, don't devalue me. my experience. Yeah. Listen to it. Where, where are we? Yeah. Um, um, it's called Hamilton in New Jersey. Oh, yeah. wow. New Jersey. It's hard. That's the thing with, like, microaggressions, you know? Like, they're so small and they're so subtle that, like, if you're not if you're not experiencing them, it's so easy to just think that they don't they didn't exist. Mean it. Like, yeah. didn't happen. Yeah. Like, just Are you sure? I think you're reading into it. Yeah, like, I just don't think you should take it that seriously, you know? Like, we have the civil rights movement. Everything's okay now. Like, MLK died for your sins. Okay? MLK did not he die. He was murdered. He was murdered. <laughs> he was literally killed. Like, no. He didn't die for any of this. But did we answer 
<laughs> no, did we, we did touch not. on it at least? I mean, I mean that definitely clarifies. I mean, the fact that little I didn't know things like that happened. Mm-hmm. I think I think racism in the new racism in the U.S. is just like it's just oppression. It's just still oppression. Like mm-hmm. in my school, I like my school was diverse. There were black students, there were white students, there were Hispanic students. That was it. There were no Asian kids. Um, <laughs> it was very diverse. Yeah, all of them now here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it was in Delaware, and um. I noticed that I was always in upper level classes. I was in honors and APs. And I'm like, I am the only black girl in this class. But then you go to the lower level classes and it's nothing but people of color, nothing but black students, nothing but Latino students. And then you like look to the white students in your AP and honors classes and you go, so what are you doing in this class? Like I'm there to get good grades, you know, raise my GPA and whatnot and show them I'm ready for college and everything. And they're like, I just don't want to be with those other kids. Wait, who said that? The, the white Good students enough. in my AP classes. Like, I just don't want to be with those other kids in the lower level classes. I have a similar kind of experience. My my town is like what you were saying, like the whitest white town that could ever exist. There's like 99% white people, and then we have like 1% Asian children. And. What is that was the only race that we had was the Lees, and they were Chinese. And my school literally had to import diversity. And we had this thing called the A Better Chance program, where we went to other schools and found people that could come and get a better chance in our school. And what happened was they got really like ghettoized because they were the better chance people. And everyone treated them like total crap all the time. And it was, like, that's my first real confrontation with race was that. And I just didn't understand what was going on at the time. And now I'm like, that's so fucked up that we had to literally... (laughs) Import. They all lived in a house together in the town. And it was just, like, really, like, everyone's like, oh, don't go to be a better chance house. Like, for no good reason. None whatsoever. It's just like... But they tried. They tried. They, they, they tried, tried to get diversity into the schools. <laughs> they tried real so hard. They like, don't even don't, try at all. If you don't so. understand, like, I mean, I guess you could say that it's good to have good intentions, but if there's no... Follow through. If there's no understanding of, like, yeah. the real issues yeah. at the heart of it, yeah. then, like, what can you possibly do to make anything better? Yeah. If, like, you're, I don't know, coming at a problem in a way where you're just not addressing, like, the underlying issues, or not even, like, talking to people who are really experiencing those issues, and you're like, I'm just gonna, like, make a difference, and... Throw a bunch of kids in this white pool and hope that they survive. But it's like, are their intentions really good, or are they just trying to fit, like, fill a quota? Yeah. Yeah. It's more the filling a quota. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, every school wants diversity, but does every school want to work towards diversity is the question right there. And why do they want that diversity to begin with? Is it to create, like, a diverse um, space or, like, with diverse ideas? Or is it to present the idea of, like, the idea of diversity? Some schools receive funding and they have to feel, they actually have to fill quote-unquote quotas. And so they're like, shit, we gotta do this. Well, they don't want to get, like, called out as a school. Like, I remember in high school, like, once again, like, one of five black people in the entire school. And they're like, hey, like, why don't you come out for this photo shoot? And I was like, okay. So I show up. And, like, they specifically, like, chose, mm-hmm. like, one yeah. person from no. each, like, group. And I would have like, just right, laughed. Just run on the field, just laugh. Like, are you going to pay yeah. me? Are you going to pay me? It's <laughs> just like, okay, like, this is a complete setup. Yeah. You're trying to make it seem like your school is so diverse, and it's not. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, and also, like, we had a whole bus full of people being bused into this school because it's private school. Mm-hmm. I Sometimes I feel like RISD sends the photographer into my classes because they know I'm there. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm going to go to the bathroom while you're here. I don't want to be in none of these photos. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. Cause like this is the these are the conversations where it's it's interesting seeing how like we were talking about discrimination and race and how it relates to like the educational system yeah. here in America mm-hmm. because what you happens a lot and like when I think about like my neighborhood like the public schools are terrible like don't have like they're not well funded nope because like, why where does the money come from. It comes from the neighborhood itself. And like, what's wrong with the neighborhood? Well, if the neighborhood is poor, then how can you provide a good education or an equal educational experience than if you, I was in, like, a really nice suburb? And then what do they do in New York? Um, well, you have, have to, the exam system. No, but you have to go to the school in your district in New York. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. I mean, I even in Washington D.C. I don't know how many states do Virginia, that, but they stick well. you to the school in your district. And so, yeah. if your neighborhood is poor, your school is going to be poor, and that's your only option. Yeah. And like another thing that they do is they have like that what your school kind of does like that coupon program where like they give kids like in areas like in my like where my neighborhood they give you coupons and then you could go to like a private school like in one of the suburbs and stuff like that and they say like all right you're getting good education now but and like when you think about the people who are behind legislation yeah. like that and you think about like, the republicans and stuff like that in those because they're kind of like trying to ship kids off to these suburbs, they're not fixing the schools that are actually in the neighborhoods. It's just another way to like, uh, uh, put a band aid on a gaping wound. That, that's uh, I finish the phrase. You, like, I, I told put you a band aid on a gaping wound. That is affirmative action right there. People are like, affirmative action fixes everything. No, affirmative action is like a band aid on a gaping wound. Oh, you can't just not have anything on on the wound because it's like it's bleeding it out. It looks there. better with the band aid. Yeah, you have to put the band aid there, but the band aid doesn't really fix anything. It just looks nice. It just looks nice. You know, so other countries are like, look at America. They are really doing things. Look at them. <laughs> that was so good. Yes, America. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you never treated it so. I actually want to talk about the root of that, like these poor neighborhoods and like how it's still we're still racially segregated by neighborhoods. And it's like, where does that stem from? Because I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, was it the? It's not the Colbert Report. John Stewart or whatever. And he was talking to um, that real racist dude. What is Bill his name? Bill O'Reilly. Oh, I saw that. I saw Wait, that. let me finish. <laughs> and he was like, "This is white privilege." And he was like, "What kind of neighborhood did you live in as a kid? And like, who did they sell those homes to? And they sold them to like GIs and veterans at discounted prices. And it's like." well, black people weren't allowed to live in these neighborhoods and they weren't given these discounts and they weren't able to benefit from the economic opportunities that were happening in this country. And so when they were shut out from that, they were pushed into these other neighborhoods where it was like less opportunities, less funding. And so they're trapped there. They don't have any money. And so these neighborhoods turn to shit. And so like, that's like, this is still the residue of racism. That is why they are still segregated because of what happened way back then. The way he started that conversation, too, was just, like, disgusting. It's like, well, isn't there Asian privilege also? And, like, isn't there black privilege also? And it's like, oh, no. Wait, wait, there's black privilege? Where do I get that? (laughs) No, don't you know that black privilege is being able to... No, it's affirmative action, and you get to say the N-word. It's so (laughs) great. I love black... I'm so happy. I'm so glad I got that. I get profiled by the police, but thank God I can say the (laughs) N-word. I know, you say the N-word, you guys have big butts. Like, Like, yeah. Twerk freely. Like I don't understand why you would want anything else. Like why do you want? Then we're gonna take the move and say we invented it and everyone's. You know, we invented the nene too. (laughs) White privilege is so much more than like the personal privileges of a white person. White privilege is like a way that life exists now. White privilege is being able to ignore taking everything for granted. (laughs) Like I mean. You know, I personally have experienced white privilege probably every day of my life. <laughs> like, it's, I mean, it's really fucked up. Like, I, you know, I've never been stopped and frisked. I can go outside at all hours of the night. Do Wait, but you're I also want. a woman. Remember I'm that. also, yeah, I, all I have to worry about is getting raped. <laughs> so, so while, like, mentality. <laughs> so while we do have, adva- like, some people do have advantages, some people do have disadvantages, like, even I as a black woman, I do have my disadvantages, but then I also have my advantages in different ways. Like, I'm able-bodied. I'm able-bodied. I'm cisgendered. Um, I identify as straight. You know, all those different types of things. So we do each have our own advantages and disadvantages that we can identify with. But what did you want to say? Yeah, I was just going to talk about experiences of being frisked at airports because I have a lot of that experience, oh. like being someone of color who travels internationally extremely often. Not just in, and, uh, not just when you come to America though, but like other countries as well. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the UK also has like a big issue, even though they have a big population of like people of color. But America in particular, like some of the airports are just like really, really bad. Like New York is okay, but Boston is awful. Like their oh, treatment of like yeah. people of color is terrible. Like especially in the security checks, you really get pulled out for being like a certain color like they let like this huge bunch of students or like people of my age just pass through or just like other people but pass then. through but they they'll just like pick me out and like I'm literally not wearing anything I'm wearing tights and I'm wearing a sweater and it didn't even beep and like many times like I'll just get pulled out because like I'm I'm a certain color 
because yeah, of yeah, context. because of being like a certain yeah yeah so it's like oh like you you're the one who has to go through that random check just because you have like that certain color of skin or whatever and that comes from prejudice and where does that prejudice yeah. come from what is the context what is the history in this country mm-hmm. towards people that look like you that identify as you do exactly like my dad's name is Allison but like he goes short by um Ali and yeah. I think it's never been an issue until like you know after September 11th and so now he has to go by Al <laughs> because he just kept just on Al. kept on getting stopped in the airport it's like I feel like this yeah. is like I, so I feel like these are examples of prejudice I don't know how would we define prejudice versus racism because they're different because hmm. yeah. I for me the definition of well the definition of racism um, oh, is the belief that all members of each race possesses characteristics yeah. or abilities specific to that race, especially so as to distinguish it as inferior or superior to another race or, or races. I and feel so, like with mm-hmm. prejudice, you could take out the word race in that same exact thing and just yeah. insert a different word into it. You can be prejudiced against no, people oh, who are like but I think the word is superior like, for racism. Yeah. It's like you feel superior because of that mm-hmm. prejudice. It's more well, like how it, how, it doesn't... Well, how is it different from the security guards who are... They might feel like inside of them, oh, look at me, I'm being a hero, I'm gonna arrest the, the, the terrorist, yeah. And so, like, doesn't that give them a little bit of a security kind of feeling? Because, well, they may not, they may not inherently believe that, they may not inherently believe that they themselves, as they identify, like, by their race, are more superior than you, but they do have a prejudice towards you based on your race. Like, I think you may be this. I think you may have this because of your race. So I feel like that's what is prejudice. And then, like, for me, racism is also a system. Like, it's ingrained. Like, yeah. I would say prejudice is sort of, like, your broader part. And then racism is, like, a part that exists within prejudice. Because prejudice has many forms of expressing itself, and racism is one of those forms. Mm-hmm. Where you form certain preconceived notions mm-hmm. about someone and then That's behave a, with mm-hmm. them according to those preconceived mm-hmm. notions that you've built up. She will tell you the definition. Oh, no, I don't think I have that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just define it for us. Wait, Wait prejudice, it? discrimination, or antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that... That's racism So Based on the belief that one's own race is superior. That's still racism. Um, like, I would say that my grandparents are racist because they feel that way, but that my parents are prejudiced. Like, they were raised by them mm-hmm. and saw mm-hmm. that and are aware of it and, pre- like project less of the, the racism on me but they still have those like notions ingrained that certain people act certain ways but they yeah. don't go I, I think, think I'm better yeah. I think that's kind of um, shows how the generations have changed because they come yeah. from our grandparents who were racist and then our parents saw that and mm. so I feel like I remember growing up my mom always told me like your dad will totally be okay with whatever boy you know if I ever brought a boy uh, home but like if you did bring a black boy he's gonna He's like, gonna, you know, feel a little odd. He's gonna be just a little more, um, I don't know what the word is, but he, he would feel more strongly against that. Yeah. And I don't think, it's just like, it's not because they were taught that, it, I mean, it's because they watched that, and it's just like... Because of their ideas of what? That and, and I think that, like, nowadays, it's more like, oh yeah, I have a black friend, but like, I don't feel, but they're just not like all the other blocks, so like... I feel like there's just like this in prejudice against everyone, but like you always have that one exception. That yeah, she, I think that's token. how it now yeah. feels in our parents' generation. That's how it is to them. For me, I well, my situation is different. Um, my entire family is like we're all in interracial relationships. Essentially, my mom is white, my dad's black. Um, my cousins are the product of my Hawaiian aunt, Hawaiian native aunt, and um, my black uncle and like everyone's like so mixed together that I didn't the concept of being black did not hit me until I came into public school until mm-hmm. I, I and they told was, you they were like you black they, they <laughs> let me know <laughs> no they let me know because I mean my parents God bless them being different colors they're like oh, color I mean you're beautiful the way you are you're perfect and like as long as you just do your best, I mean, well, you have our support. I mean, um, mixing together is just beautiful. It's the way the world should be or whatever. <laughs> I come into the world being, what? Oh, oh, what are you? Oh, I'm I'm just me. I'm just mixed. But it's like that, that label was like 
pardon my expression, like bitch slapped on in like the first couple um, years of my primary education. Like, um, I remember one incident that ended with me in the office all day crying because <laughs> um, I had my mom had decided to drop me off that day, and she never drops me off for that reason now. Um, so my mom drops me off um, in front of my door because our school was outdoors, so we all met up outside. And I get out of the car, and I walk up to the people in my class, and they're like, your mom is white. And I'm like, is that a problem? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, she is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, well, she's lighter than me. That's that's how I define like, everything. Like, my mom is lighter than me, my dad is darker than me, and my sister are around the same color. And then the whole day, these kids just went into me be like, how the hell is your mom white? That is the funniest shit. Like, it was just like, that doesn't make any sense. How are your parents even together? Like, it was just, they couldn't, they had no concept of like how an interracial family could work. And so they just, they called me mutt. They called me like zebra, like that shit. Like, it was a bad day. And so for me, I guess my experience of race happened early on and then after like that really bad experience with it um through middle school I would just lie about what I was because mm. I could because people would just be like oh are you um what was it like Polynesian like are you Tongan I'm like yeah sure next class <laughs> oh are you like native yeah yeah sure because people just want to put you in a box it was like, awful mm. I didn't I didn't want it, I, I hate myself now for it, but I didn't want to be identified after that. Mm-hmm. Like, after that, I just, like, I hated being in that <clears throat> box, and so I kind of, like, I don't know. Didn't, like, I just, I, I, I pushed it inside until, like, high school, then it exploded, and now I'm vice <laughs> president of Black Student <laughs> Union. Yeah. And so. I feel like a lot of those experiences come from, like, where households believe that by not talking about race, you're ending racism. And it's just like, that's not true. Yeah. And then I learned that or later in life, that was like my mom's idea. Because my mom, bless her heart, she's a white lady. She didn't know how to do my hair. And so my whole childhood was a mess. Like, pulled back, she put on a million pounds of gel, and I'd still have like my baby hairs like just flying away. And like, she just, she didn't want me to feel like, the way I felt, but then like now that I talk to my dad, he's like, "Yeah, I tried to." I tried to tell him. <laughs> and like he's like, "I'm glad you noticed you were black back then, because I was worried about you for a while. Like, I didn't want you to turn out like Raven Simone or something." Like, you know? do you remember? She forgot. I forget. So I wanted to talk about reverse racism. That is not a Can we like? We know better. No, we're going to talk about this. What is reverse racism? Reverse racism is when somebody who isn't a person, white people, and they say, (laughs) this is reverse racism. You're being reverse racist towards me. You're you're discriminating against me because I'm white. Like, Like, affirmative action is reverse racism. Oh, I called you cracker. That's that's reverse racism. Pretty fly for a white guy. (laughs) (laughs) You said I can't dance. That's reverse racism. And I think, I don't think reverse racism can apply to those situations. But I do think prejudice. Yes. It can be prejudice. I don't know, that's my opinion. Racism is structural. Prejudice is, like, less. I think, like, I can be prejudiced against white people, which I can be because, like, seen some shit <laughs> but I'm me calling you Wonder Bread or Cracker like okay your feelings are hurt for the day but there's no history of that word being used to dehumanize that's never gonna you. take a job like, away from you that's it, not gonna prevent you the, um, like, you succeeding. don't have any power to, to dismantle from you yeah it doesn't like, really reinforce like the institution of racism when you do that like it doesn't I don't know. Like, can we think of all the derogatory terms towards white people? Like, are there are there really that many? Like, and then we think Basic of all the bitch. ones that they're offering. <laughs> <laughs> all, That's all, applied for, oh. It's applied for everyone, I'm joking. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? You know, 
is it like when you're thinking about like words like <laughs> n word and so on and so forth? They are like, like the very fact that we didn't even say the n word, we just said the n word. Like, come on. Because like when you're like when you're talking about like other like derogatory terms, whether you're talking about Asian people or you're talking about Black people, you're talking about like like LGBTQ, like those words, like they have weight to them. They like, have been used to oppress people. People have been oppressed and like killed. Like those have been the last words that they've heard when like they've been killed or when they've been beaten or when they've been dis- when they've been discriminated against cracker <laughs> cracker that that's your issue i i wish cracker was the least of my problems <laughs> like, take cracker I, i'll take my privilege if cracker is what you're gonna call me i'm like thank you i love ritz crackers i love the with like come on now <laughs> Would you trade your Wait, position that the with Louis me? Louis C.K. thing? Like, I don't know. If you could sign I up love... to be anything, would you? what would you pick? Yeah. And he's like, like, would you choose would, to be? Yeah. I would yes. pick to be a white male every single time. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I go back in history, there's never going to be. You know, <laughs> actually, it's sad that it does come up in your brain sometimes. It's like, would I pick this? I don't know. And it's like, you really like, I really feel like asking people that, like, if you think that racism isn't an issue anymore, would you trade places with me right now? It's funny because, like, sometimes randomly when people bring up, like, time travel, I'm like, so which years are good for me? <laughs> 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 Maybe I'll hit, like, 1980. No, like, I, even, I don't know if I'm going to go no, further. No, like, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> was like, um, I know in the future we're going to get it back. Like, he's like, <laughs> I know we have karma coming. Like, after a while in the future, like, white people are going to get what's coming <laughs> to them. But he's like, yeah, he'll just, like, stay in the past. Yeah. <laughs> like, any, any, any year from year zero, just like, oh, yes, here's your seat. <laughs> That's why it's so funny when people are like, oh, my goodness, like, like end of Elm South was so amazing, or like all the fifties. Oh my goodness, like housewives, and I'm like, oh, I'm glad that's great for you. I mean, like, I mean, I was being discriminated against, you know. It, and like, I wouldn't really be able to enjoy that, but I'm glad that you think that that was a really peaceful and lovely time in American history. Just... No, because like sometimes I forget. <laughs> You know, like when you see, like, it's like, oh, I want, like, if people ask me a time traveling, uh, yeah, I forget. Yeah, and wait, I, I like, forgot that I couldn't go back. Yeah, uh, no, no, I forgot that I'm not, like, going to be one of those people. Yeah. I assume mm-hmm. that there's only one concept of that, and I was like, oh, I'll be, uh, of course, I'm like, Great Gatsby, only white people, I'll be one of them. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I,